Bachelor, 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 live from Rogers Arena, calling Canucks games. It is Brendan Bachelor, Bachelor, Bachelor. 803 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. As the music suggested, it could be Brendan Bachelor time here coming up in just a moment. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech! Too much. Too much. Still got to workshop it. Too bring much. it down a bit. I know too we much. just had Saucy on. Yeah, too much. But- too much. See, the, the last time it. was really low. That one was like kind of softy levels. You got to get somewhere in the middle. Okay, what other? Info- we're going to try one more time. We're coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintec. That was too creepy. Too creepy. <laughs> yeah. That was really creepy. Okay. Was, you know what? Actually, not too creepy. Really creepy. <laughs> I'm with Ben on this one. We're just going to keep workshopping this until Kintec drops us as a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> to the phone lines we go. Brendan Batchelor joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Batch? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Not bad. Just sewering the Kintech thing. Uh, so the Canucks <laughs> play the Preds. Bridgestone, 5 o'clock. The third and final of three meetings between the Canucks and Preds this season. Now, the Canucks have had good success against the Predators. There was a win in October. There was another win in October a week later. But that was like when the Preds weren't playing good hockey. Since then... Uh, they've been one of the best teams in the NHL. So what kind of matchup are you expecting tonight in Nashville? Yeah, it's it's kind of a different Predators team. You're right. They, uh, over the last month, have really turned their game around. Um, you know, their their goal differential is better than the Canucks' goal differential in the last month. You know, they're scoring a ton of even-strength goals. They're creating a ton of scoring chances. So what I look at is for the Canucks, first of all, to be ready to go at the drop of the puck. Cause I don't think we can say that they were for either of the games at the weekend. And maybe the fact they were early games is a little bit of an excuse, but nonetheless, this is a Nashville team that if you're not ready to go, they'll make you pay. And then, you know, you got to manage the puck well, because clearly they create a lot of chances. They've had a lot of success scoring of late and winning 13 of their last 16. So um, you, you've got to be prepared for anything they're going to throw at you, and you've got to manage the puck well so that you don't give them any easy offense. Three games left for the Canucks before the Christmas break. No back-to-backs. They're tonight in Nashville, Thursday in Dallas, and Saturday uh, they host the lowly San Jose Sharks. Uh, does Thatcher Demko get all three of these games? I would be surprised if he did. I think it makes sense to get Casey DeSmith into at least one of them, and it'll be interesting to see uh, which one they they try to go to him in. But at the same time, uh, you know, you're going to have those days off of the holiday. So I guess, you know, theoretically, they could play Demko in all three of these games. But, you know, the way I sort of look at, at match, you know, preparing for the goaltending and, and planning it out going forward here is you've had the best start in franchise history. You've built yourself this big of a cushion. Why wouldn't you take advantage of the fact that because of that cushion, you can play your backup on top of the fact that, you know, your backup has played some really good hockey for you and has given you a chance to win on 
most nights that he's gone in there. So, um, you know, I'm kind of, you know, thinking back to the, the Luongo numbers in, in light of Luongo Ring of Honor <laughs> week this past week. And like, you know, he's not going to play over 70 games, but you have a chance to have Demko play under 60 games or in the low 50s. Uh, which could make a big difference for you come late uh, in March and into April. So why would you try to run Demko out three nights here in, in the next week if you don't have to is the way I look at it. And it's more about which game might make the most sense for DeSmith to go in. You could look at tonight as one of those. You could look at um, Saturday at home against San Jose as one of those as well. Uh, Batch, if you were the coach, where would you have Puce Suter in the lineup? That's a tough one because they're, you know, he, he's kind of a, a guy that can go in a lot of different places. And it's good that the Canucks have a few of those players, right? Like Oman can play the wing or play the middle. Lafferty can play the wing or play the middle and has been playing up the lineup. I kind of like the idea of him playing up the lineup like he did uh, last game on the Pedersen line. And the reason is, first of all, he's another face-off man on that line. So that helps you having, you know, two guys that can, win draws on the same line. And we've seen that, um, you know, that's something that Rick Tockett likes to have if he can. Um, and then just there's more offensive upside from a guy like Suter than any of the other players they've had up in the top six. You know, I thought Lafferty played well in a, a stretch on that line, but, you know, Suter historically has scored 14 or 15 goals in a season in his NHL career. He was starting to heat up offensively right before he went down with the injury. And, uh, I think he's too good of a player to have on your fourth line, but at the same time, I don't want to break up the the Bluger line right now because of how mm-hmm. well they're playing. And you know, in the long term, Suter may end up back in between Joshua and Garland. But for the time being, I, I like the idea of either utilizing him as a, a top six winger or moving him to the middle, and then that allows you know one of your your guys like Miller or Pedersen to potentially go to the wing going forward too. Do you think Kuzmenko wishes that Pew Suter was on the fourth line with him instead of Nils Amon and Sam Lafferty? Yeah, probably, just because there's more offensive upside there. And that was, you know, when Suter came back into the lineup and was on that line, that was immediately what I thought is, oh, that's a fourth line that now actually has some some offensive pop. And, you know, it was clear, I think, that Tockett felt more comfortable rolling out any of the four lines when he had Suter as a, a safety valve on that fourth line. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if we see a lot of moving parts with the lines heading into the Christmas break, just because uh, I don't think they've found anybody that deserves a permanent home on the Patterson line yet. And we've seen a lot of blending of lines in game mm-hmm. anyway, but um, you know, I, it's, I, I guess this is all to say that, it's entirely possible that Suter's back on that line with Kuzmenko for the game tonight, or he could be up the lineup, or it could change three times as the game goes on, especially if the Canucks don't play well. Is that spot with Pedersen and McKeev the most glaring, I don't want to call it a hole, but a glaring question mark on the team right now? I think so, uh, especially because they've addressed a lot of the issues on the blue line, and not to say that it's perfect yet by any means, but when you get Zadorov in there now and you'll have Susie back in the lineup at some point, uh, assuming they, they stay healthy, that's the, the best six defensemen they've been able to throw out over the boards for my money in the last seven or eight years, probably. Um, so they've done some great work to shore up some of the issues on the back end. And then you look at the forward group and the center ice position looks pretty solidified right now, especially 
uh, getting to have Suter and Bluger both in the lineup at the same time. And Oman, as I said, and Lafferty can both play the middle too. So you've got lots of options, but the one hole is uh, a top six winger that, you know, can produce and help drive play. And I think driving play is the, the key part of that sentence because we've seen Kuzmenko produce in the past, of course, but right now he's down the lineup because of some of the things that could be done to help drive play that he hasn't been as effective at this year. So, um, you know, we're, we're heading into the holidays here. If Patrick Alvin is writing a, a Christmas list here, it's probably another top six winger that's at the top of that list. But when you only have so much salary cap space and flexibility, I don't know how realistic it will be for the Canucks to address that issue in the short term. And so because of that, it'll likely be what we've seen, you know, even last year we saw this too, where lots of different guys in the lineup were getting chances in the top six and on that Pedersen line or, or however the lines were constructed before. Um, but none of them were really able to stick. None of them were really able to, to find a permanent home on that line. And that's what we've seen this year too, with, you know, Dee Giuseppe was up there and Hoaglander was up there and, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's something that they'll have to work through. But I would say, yeah, in terms of uh, something that they could add from the outside, you know, prior to the trade deadline, if they're able to, I would be looking at the wing and particularly a guy that they think could complement Elias Pettersson. We are speaking to Sportsnet 650 Canucks radio play-by-play man Brendan Batchelor here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Batch, I want to go back to the games over the weekend, uh, starting with the 2-1 shootout loss in Minnesota. On Saturday, I'm always curious to get play by play and the guys that are calling the game. Your take in particular was the overtime session against Minnesota the least entertaining hockey in the history of the National Hockey League. <laughs> I don't know if I go quite that far, but it was not <laughs> uh, a great advertisement for the game, shall we say? I, I think it was uh, pretty cagey, and you know, I, I generally don't have as much of a problem with three-on-three overtime and the way it is at the moment, as I know some people do, and it's become a talking point. Because for the most part, I feel like the overtime games are more exciting than that. Uh, but sometimes you get a, a, a defensive team or a team that you know feels like maybe the other side has more skill, and so they decide to you know reset in the neutral zone a lot and just hold possession and kill a lot of time and, and not overcommit. But that said, you know, when, when you see skill teams go back and forth, it can be some of the most entertaining hockey that we see. And, you know, think about the other two overtime games or, or the ones that jumped to mind for me anyway this year for the Canucks. Obviously, the, uh, the overtime win against the Islanders in Horvat's return with the great goal by Hughes. Like, that's an exciting play to end the game. And then the game against the Rangers is exciting for the wrong reasons for the Canucks in that there's controversy over was Pedersen tripped or not. And then Mm. the Rangers come back the other way and score a goal on an odd man rush. So I feel at least that overtime is more often like that than it is like the Minnesota game. But yeah, certainly the Minnesota game was, was not great in terms of entertainment value in the overtime. And it kind of felt like, uh, you know, obviously it was a day game. It's a team in Minnesota that, desperately needed points it's Canucks team that was a little bit sleepy on the road and I think kind of all of those things combined to make it what it was uh the Sunday game in Chicago we had Randy on the show yesterday and we were talking about this with him and he said he was talking about this with you that Connor Bedard a very uh confident player obviously on the ice but apparently confident enough to start calling his own penalties which is pretty impressive from an 18 year old (laughs) Yeah, he, uh, you know, yeah, we were talking about the fact that he, you know, he's already getting the, the superstar calls, and I think he was angling for another one 
uh, right at the end of the game oh, too, yeah. when the Blackhawks were pressuring. So um, he understands the game, I think. And, you know, as a, a young superstar player, there, there are a lot of things that you can do to lead you to be successful in the NHL and getting calls from the officials is one of them. And, you know, he seems like he's got a, a firm grasp on what he needs to do to, to have that happen at, at this point in his career as well. So, um, you know, watching him and, and that release, first of all, it's just so impressive to see how quickly he could get it to the net. I'm, he could have scored, you know, two or three goals on some of the chances he created seemingly out of nothing against Thatcher Demko. And the frustrating thing, just as a general fan of hockey, is that he doesn't have a lot of help there in Chicago. So no. hopefully they can get him some over the next few years solely for the entertainment value of watching him get a chance to play with some better players and have some success. So we're at the 32 game mark now, not like that's a significant benchmark or anything, but you've seen uh, a, a few games now and you've seen a bunch of different NHL teams, not all of them yet though, but a little off the board question for you, Batch. Who's the best team that you've seen the Canucks play against this season so far? Yeah, that, that is a tough one. I'd probably lean the New York Rangers. Mm just because I, I thought that that game between those two teams that, as I said, ended in sort of that controversial overtime might've been the best played game. That was we've awesome. Seen at awesome game. Arena this yeah, year that was an awesome from game. Both teams. Like it was, it felt like I, I've, I've sort of joked with people over the last few years that, um, you know, calling Canucks teams that have struggled and then the season ends and you get a chance to watch playoff hockey and, the intensity of playoff hockey and the way that it's played at times feels like a different sport from some of the games that, you know, the Canucks have been playing Mm -hmm. in the regular season when they've been unsuccessful and that game against the Rangers, I can remember thinking as it was happening, Oh, this feels more like that playoff kind of hockey that, you know, we always get to watch in the spring that the Canucks haven't been a part of for most of the last decade. So um, that that's where I'm going right now with the Rangers, but you know, there are some good teams that the Canucks haven't faced yet. You know, the Bruins jumped to mind. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether I still hold that opinion once we get to the end of the regular season. And, you know, I think Vegas is, is probably in that conversation too, but for me, it's the Rangers right now in terms of just looking at the games that the Canucks have played against, you know, some of these teams that they've faced to this point in the year. Batch, you're the best, buddy. Uh, a couple things here. One, have a good call tonight. Enjoy the Nashville game. And then two, we're out of here on vacation starting after the show tomorrow. So Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you again in 2024. Sounds good. Have a good holidays, guys. And the same to all the listeners. Uh, thanks, Batch. Appreciate it, bud. That's Brendan Batchelor, the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford & Breff Show on Sportsnet 650. Do you think the Rangers are as good as their record? I don't. Um, They're good. The goaltending thing has been crazy because quick's been unbelievable for them mm-hmm. i mean I, I don't want to put them on the same plane as thatcher demko and casey de smith the greatest goaltending tandem ever but i they, think the rangers are good i don't they take a lot though. of they take a lot of boxes though man like their blue line is deep you know me with the goal differential right yeah it's not a great goal differential. plus 16 it's 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 okay nothing wrong with plus 16 it's not of the elite but mm-hmm. winnipeg's plus 20 yeah. Okay. So the Rangers are interesting because the blue line, like I love their blue line, mm-hmm. right? If you go Fox, Truba, Keandre Miller, 
as your best three, that's yeah. tough to deal with, right? No, they're a good team. Yeah. I just want, I, I think we were, we're all wondering about how good they are and they can kill, whether or not Panarin can carry his play into the postseason because that was dreadful last they year. They can kill you on the power play because Kreider is like the biggest power play merchant in the league right now, not named Connor McDavid. Um, I do wonder about their five on five scoring a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that they can play a lot of different styles. Like Truba is such a. God, I hate using unicorn because I think it's thrown. But he's very unique the way that he plays. Not many guys hit like Jacob Truba. No, right? There's maybe what five or ten guys that can hit that. But he's not a top pairing defenseman, though. No, but he's a game changer. He is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? That he can injure someone. <laughs> right, he can directly outcome. You know whether you're going to play in the game or ha- not. Has Patrick Kane ruined the Detroit Red Wings? Yes. They, they, they've all of a sudden started losing a bunch of games ever like since he joined five them. Five and one since he joined the team. I think. Yeah, that's that was. That was something I did not see coming. <laughs> I didn't think that they would torpedo the moment they made this big Ballyhood signing. But anyway, okay. Uh, what we learns, I'm going to kick it off, and I'm going to go to the National Basketball Association. I will call on Basketball Ben here as our resident NBA expert. Although I think I think my take is not all that original or unique, and I think it's right. Um, so yesterday, the Los Angeles Lakers maybe the most storied franchise in the NBA, it's them or Boston. And they have, I've been to crypto.com on a number of occasions. Yeah, I right? still call it Staples Center. Right. They have so many banners, so many banners, but there's a key part to all of this. <laughs> They're only NBA championship banners, right? Yeah. That's what they do in LA. Mm-hmm. You win a championship, you get a banner. Yeah. End of conversation. Are you going to complain about them hanging a banner for the NBA Cup? Yeah. <laughs> they hung you a banner. You have to do something for it. Otherwise you don't it, have to do yes, anything you do. for Otherwise it. Otherwise, no, you don't. I bet, the, I bet the league was like, you're hanging a banner well, because you know we're who, making this thing a thing. You know who didn't show up? NBA commissioner Adam Don't Call Me David Silver. Right. He wasn't there. How important could it be if he wasn't even there? Jeannie Buss Look, do, was, com- do commissioners always go to banner raisings? They should. They don't. They should. They don't. They should. Well, they don't. And the owner of the team, Jeannie Buss, also not there. They didn't even do a real ceremony. They just kind of had a plate clap. Mm-hmm. Look, it's the first year of this thing. There's no guarantee that it'll be around for a long time. They, well, went- they can just slowly take them down then <laughs> if it's not. But I here if is If they the- cancel it next year, will there be a banner lowering? Here is the argument that I think ends all arguments. This is from a few years ago, the late Kobe Bryant talking about what it means to be a Laker, what kind of standard the organization holds, and specifically what earns a banner and what doesn't. You're gonna use Kobe's words against them. <laughs> I'm not using anything against him. This is Kobe talking about the Lakers. I didn't say this. Play the clip. You know, this franchise does not hang division banners. (laughs) It does not hang conference championships. (laughs) We hang one banner and one banner only, and that's NBA titles. Right? So you have to start there. You have to understand that that's what this is. And you may not like it. You may think it sucks. You may think it's not great sportsmanship. Get over it. It is what it is. So I don't, I don't understand. I still take a lot of pride in those Smythe Division championships. <laughs> now, here's the thing. That's exactly what I thought of, too. I'm like looking at the Canucks, I'm like, ah, the Pacific Northwest 2003-2004. Busted franchises have busted banners. That's it. It's like the Nashville Predators. Yeah, but if the Canucks won an in-season tournament, I'd be like, let's hang that banner. Yeah, right but next to the President's Trophy banner. And banners. that's fine, but you're setting yourself to be a, a sad franchise when you do that. Do you know the Oilers hang their President's Trophy banners? And I noticed a... Uh, uh, an apostrophe error 
oh, in really? one of their banners. So you know the president's, president's trophy, it's all the presidents, right? It's named after the presidents of the league. Yeah. So the apostrophe should go after the S, but there's a banner hanging in right, their arena. A- I look because I went there, you know, yeah. with my West Edmonton Mall trip and wow. What a what a what trip. A trip that what a was. crazy trip. And I looked up, I was like, oh, the apostrophe's there. And you know what? In Alberta, no one's noticed. They thought it was fine. It was for they're, they're like, oh, that was for that's for Trump. They were for president. They were for presidents of two S's. <laughs> <laughs> so basketball Ben, tell me that uh this is ridiculous and that Kobe's right and Absolutely. everyone that's dragging on this is right. I think it's what Kobe said says it all for being a Laker. And yeah. I get that if it was a Vancouver Canucks franchise in the NBA. Stop using the Canucks. Just, let's, use, let's use someone else. But I just am like, why would... <laughs> Timberwolves. Yeah, sure. sure. Minnesota. Anyone. Right. Anyone. That's not the Lakers. Good for you. Utah. Yeah. Great. Well, what do you do to recognize that you've won that? You nod and you take you say, the cup hey, and you put it you guys. in the shelf somewhere. I wouldn't right. even have champagne. I'd be like, great. You, no, no. But the, the, the whole yeah. reason that this tournament worked is because the players cared about it. Because they cared about the money, not about winning a, the thing. How, LeBron you're so ca- cynical for no, such a young no, no, man. No, no, no. He's right. Because LeBron went out of his way to say, like, the lowest paid guys on the roster, we're doing this for them. Right. Let's the guys just say on the, it moved me to a bigger house. The, <laughs> like guys, on, the, the guys on the two way contracts, the guys that don't have guaranteed money, like, this right. money's going to go to them. People LeBron are was like, we're still taking a bigger share of it. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron's like, like, I get mine. It, like, add some <laughs> a much bigger share. It's not a legacy thing for me. It's just like I think that they were invested because hey, five hundred grand to anybody is you know it's still five hundred. Here's the thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, oh, for sure, for sure. But. If the Indiana Pacers had won it and they hung an in-season tournament championship, mm. I would have been like, fine, sure. It's the Pacers, like it's a good basketball city and it's a nice NBA franchise, but it's not the Lakers. Like he said, the clip also said he's like. We don't retire just anybody's number. Mm-hmm. But if you make the Hall of Fame and you're a Laker, you get your number retired. Not for the Canucks, though. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Mook. And that's why they have 17 championships and we have zero. Thank you. So, folks out there, when you're talking about having a franchise and that franchise having a standard, just think about it. Just think about the Lakers and what they've done to sully that. Okay, uh, we're up against it for time. Uh, I want to do this. Yeah, have you been following this Victor Hovland thing? We're, we're the guys that should be talking about high standards. Uh, hit the moo cow button. Yeah, right. That's a high cow. Um, did you follow the Victor Hovland thing? Do you know about this? I don't know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, we'll do it on the other side. Uh, you're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.32 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Okay, I'm going to do a what we learned. Ben's going to do a what we learned. 
A Dog's going to do a what we learned. Oh then he's God. then he's going to give away the tickets. Okay? okay. All right. Real quick, I'm going to golf with mine. Yeah, Halford's got a golf. What we learned. Uh, I learned that Victor Hovland, the number four ranked player in the world, one not going to go to live. Two is all right with John Rahm taking that sweet sweet money. And three called the PGA Tour leadership arrogant. Uh, he was appearing on the four podcast in Norway, mm-hmm. uh, which is my favorite Norwegian golf podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. oh. I love it. All your accents are the same now. Yeah, they all blend together. Uh, Hovland said they, there's no way he would play uh, on the live tour because they play without a cut. Mm-hmm. So he said, when you got 150 players and no cut, if you don't play well enough, normally you're out. And there's something about that that makes your game a little sharper. If I had gone to live, I don't think I would have become a better golfer. And then it is, in a way, the end of discussion. I just, I'm. He also ripped the PGA Tour leadership, which yeah. I agree with everything he said. And the funny thing about Victor Hovland is mm-hmm. he is, he is live golf kryptonite because, right. like, he doesn't really care about money. Right. And I believe him. Like, he's like, I still live in. So I guess he went to school in Oklahoma. Okay, he still lives in Stillwater. Oklahoma, he's like, uh, a dollar goes a long way here <laughs> compared to other places around the world. So I actually believe him when he says he won't go to live. Um, the, the only reason I want to know, but is I also cause... I also like that he wasn't judgmental about John Rom taking the money and and I think you know my opinion would, has obviously changed on the players taking the money for for me. It was like, yeah, go get it, John Rom, because guess what? The PGA Tour showed that they don't have any morals that this isn't a moral thing they were like as soon as a deal which might fall apart made sense to them for them to take the saudi money they were like giddy up so i i I just i love the big game hunting aspect of this this is what liv's doing right now john rom was you know the the biggest game of them all here's the problem for liv nobody watches it i know i know (laughs) Sorry, what were you going to say? I, I interrupted so, you yet again. That's okay. Um, so would Scotty Scheffler ever go? I don't know. Rory definitely wouldn't. Rory wouldn't, no. It'd be, it'd be really hard to walk it back now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Unless then, you pulled, like, remember when Hulk Hogan went bad? <laughs> Is he going to come out with, like, a black mustache and goatee? <laughs> uh, and then after that, like, those are really the only interesting ones now. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, because I don't really, I mean, it's like Cantley, Shoffley, Spieth, well, can't, well, Xander Shoffley, Cantley, Spieth, like, Thomas. Sorry. He's part of the negotiating Max uh, Homa, team. The homie Max Homa. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. He, well, Cantley's part of the negotiating team for the PGA Tour, so I don't think he... he but did. at this point, everyone... Although he does love money. Yeah. Everyone's open to a heel turn at this point, mm-hmm. I feel. Except yeah. Rory. That'd be a bridge. Patrick Cantley, the guy who wears like the Goldman Sachs sponsored hat. I was like, <laughs> I, I bet he likes money. <laughs> okay. Mook out that. And now we go to basketball. Ben, with a what we learned that is hockey, apparently. Yes, a little okay. bit. Okay. Uh, what we learned this weekend was um, the rookie skate in the NHL. First lap. The solo lap. The solo lap is the coolest tradition <clears throat> in sports. And I was, I know I was supposed to work yesterday. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know why I wasn't here. I don't. I was in Las Vegas what? over the weekend to see a good friend of mine play his first game for the Ottawa Senators. Oh, that's Sunday. awesome. 
And so we Ooh. went down with a couple. Uh, Ang, his name's Angus Crookshank. Oh, okay. Plays first ever games. So he's we, a West Van guy, right? He's from North Van, yeah. North Van guy, a North Shore guy. Yeah, so we went down to see him play. He did his rookie lap, and I was like, this is the coolest thing in sports. Like, this is nothing like it for mm. a rookie to play his first game. Wow. So it was an interesting experience. That's he, why he, I couldn't he, work yesterday. He didn't fall, did he? Nope. Can you imagine? You blow a tire. Well, we were like, to the corner. how Oops. middle of the net did you aim on your first shot? <laughs> he's like, I was not picking a corner on that one. Uh, did, he, did he wear a bucket, or did he go bucketless? He went bucket. Nice. And were they wearing those stupid gold buckets that night? Too? They were. Ugh, no, I would have played without a helmet the whole game. Risky, I know, but Very that's crazy. awesome. So much fun. So How did he fun play? Team. He had 10 minutes of ice time. He almost scored. He had a one team that almost got a tip in. So and he's in Arizona right now. We're going to see if he gets in the lineup tonight. Oh, that's awesome. So, so much him. fun. Yeah, it was cool. Lot. Cool what we learned. Thanks, Best what we learned ever. Mooko, yeah, that sentimental stuff. <laughs> Congratulations to the young man. Here is a barnyard animal. Okay, Andy, uh, you're up. I also was in Las Vegas. <laughs> I Stop flew that. in last night, and I'm like, I gotta go to work. I have a, a friend in the NHL too, Andy, with a really tough act to follow. A here. buddy of mine I is played the some hacky sack yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Buddy of mine is the Zamboni driver down there, and I watched him do a couple laps. It was great. <laughs> what did you learn, Andrew Cole? Uh, how, how could I possibly top that? You're not going to. Just try. All right. Well, Vancouver Whitecaps. This is courtesy. Uh, thank you, Rob Williams at Daily High for pointing this out to me because I didn't know this. Uh, it is my what we learned. Vancouver Whitecaps are getting booted from BC Place by the Home and Garden Show. Uh, yeah. Maybe you can help me with this, Halford. But uh-huh. due, to a, due to a scheduling conflict, <laughs> uh, the Caps are being forced to play this marquee match against a Mexican club. But they're playing it on Vancouver Island. They won't be playing it at BC Place because of the Home and Garden Show taking up a three-day window there. Yeah. So, yeah, the Whitecaps lose out to the Home and Garden Show. So this is the CONCACAF Champions League, Champions Cup, whatever they call it. Uh, and it's a club competition that the, the Whitecaps have been in before. But because North America and MLS have approximately 9,000 different competitions now, uh, the season starts earlier than ever. So this is actually going to be on February the 7th, which is really early by MLS standards. I mean, they, their season's long to begin with, but having the you know tournament campaign start at February 7th is very early. So what happens is, because the Whitecaps are tenants at BC Place, mm-hmm. they kind of have to go to BC Place and be like, here's a list of dates that we need a field for to play soccer games. Yeah, And then BC Place says, sorry, we have things like the Home and Garden Show or traveling Harry Potter exhibit or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, There's a variety yeah. of things that get in the way. Now, well, PC plays knows like generally when their schedule is. But this was a bit of a wrinkle mm-hmm. because this is a new-ish. I mean, it's been around for a while, but it's just a different competition, and it's starting really early this year. So well, what's the home and garden show supposed to do? Just well, like cancel? Can't. They can't cancel the home and garden show. If I was the home and garden show, I'd be like, you know, a lot of people come and see our stuff. I feel like we have a convention center that could probably cover it. I don't know. Maybe you can't move them. I don't well, know. Well, maybe no. the Whitecaps could play at the convention center. <laughs> well, I think there was talk about them trying to play at that modular stadium out in Langley that Vancouver right. FC plays in, but it didn't have the adequate lighting for a CONCACAF mm-hmm. champion. Isn't that stadium quite nice in Langford? It I've is. Dri- I've driven Star- by it. Starlight it looks Stadium. quite nice. Starlight Stadium. Yeah, it's yeah. just not huge. I think it's right. maybe 7,000 max capacity. But 6, don't you 000? think the uh, the Mexican players will be a little bit cold in, in February? So right? February outdoors. Maybe like Tigres. Right. Oh, that's the name of the team, by the way. They're playing Tigres, who's the team that they played last year in the same competition. Very entertaining match. I will say, I am getting like Ice Teca 
vibes here that it's probably not going to be especially warm. So maybe there will be a, a home pitch advantage mm-hmm. on what is essentially a neutral. I'd actually like love it. to go. But I've got uh, tickets to the Home and Garden Show. Oh, right. Damn, the Home and Garden Show. You walked right into that one, didn't you? We're hosting that year. All right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) How's everyone doing? (laughs) Give me a moo cow. (laughs) Get off the stage. You're ruining the Home and Garden Show. Talk about flowers. (laughs) Okay. uh, Give away the tickets to the Flyers-Canucks game on the 28th. Uh, what we learned, I learned my mom is now a diehard new Canucks fan at the age of 75, and her favorite player is Zadorov because, and quote, he's a tough son of a gun. I'd love to take her to see her very first Canucks game, uh, Nick from Pitt. Nice. I love that. Nick, you got to get your mom a Zadorov jersey and make sure... That it has a fight strap. Because yeah. she might get into it. You Imagine don't know. she just loses it. Like F bombs yeah. left, right, and center. Yeah. <laughs> she got in a fight. Yeah, yeah she's like, nobody touches Pedersen. <laughs> <laughs> He's been in two fights now, Zadorov, right? Since joining the Canucks? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, we, I know we talked about this yesterday. Reese Johnson will never touch PD again. That was, yeah. Instant look of regret. <laughs> he had a tired, have a and he had him. a really tired fight against Patrick Maroon, right? Oh, yeah. yeah was yeah. that a fight, even? Or were they yeah. just kind of holding each other, being like, who wants to fall down first? Yeah. Uh, in the modern classifications of fight, sadly, that counts because there's so few of them compared to back in the day. Well, right? Zadorov kind of just like you can't touch pounded him. him to the ice. Yeah, Zadorov was tired. Yeah. I mean, Maroon was tired, too. He was throwing all those cross checks. I imagine that was very <laughs> fatiguing for him as well. <laughs> anyway, okay. Let's uh, take care of business as we do. Print out the uh, fraud the dot matrix. Let's print out some of this stuff. Uh, what we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! And let's go. I miss pressing uh, that button. It's good times. Damon from The Rock, what we learned, Hovland, or as he calls him, Javi. Javi is the goat, pure as they come. Guy's an open book when talking money. His honesty is refreshing in the midst of this absolute greed fest. All he wants is extra guac at Chipper. Is that what they call Chipotle now? The kids call Chipotle Oh, I Chipper? guess. Yeah, probably. Yeah, all, yeah I, lo- I love Hovland. I think Hovland's my favorite player. You're shaking your head at this. Kids now. these days. Kids these yeah, days. Yeah. When you were down in Vegas, did you go to the Chipper? No. It was Chipotle? Shake Shock twice, though. Nice. So good. Who has, okay, Basketball Ben, for mm-hmm. those of you that don't know, Basketball Ben is a scratch golfer. Uh, how many times are you club champ? Uh, two times. Two time club champ at Cap. Yeah. And um, uh, who do you think has the prettiest swing on tour right now? Is Charlie it Woods. <laughs> the he only does have a nice swing, that's though. It's unbelievable. He it's does like have Tiger a nice and swing. Rory. Yeah. Is um, it? I mean, Hovland has had his issues chipping, but I love watching him swing. I think he's the best ball striker on the planet. Right. Uh, Morikawa's got a great swing, especially with his irons. And then Rory's is just powerful. Rory, yeah, the driver watching Rory hit a so driver fun. is just like. What but I think Hovland's doing? probably the best ball striker. Yeah. On the like, he just seems planet. like a great guy. I mean, I hope we don't find out all sorts of stuff behind the scenes. You could sit down and have a another beer hero has let me down. Yeah. Oh man! I told yeah. you guys at the break here, but. Uh, like I was watching him on the range last year, and Victor Hovland gets off. He's just hitting rockets on the range. Mm-hmm. He comes in for lunch, sits in the corner of the restaurant, gets on his phone, eats a hot dog, a couple French fries. He's just like us. I was like, that's who you Except are. Much, much better at golf. <laughs> and incredibly more wealthy. And isn't but, greedy. Right. Uh, basketball Phil, what we learned, Julian Love has to start over Jamal Adams moving forward. No way. 
Adams gets those interceptions. If anything, he gets two pass interference calls. I reply to basketball Phil, actually, it was probably defensive holding calls that he'd get because yeah. he wouldn't be able to keep up in order to take a P.I. I think he's going to remain injured. I'm doing that in air quotes yeah. for those watching the stream. I think he's going to remain injured for the rest of the year. I do not see him suiting up again for the Seahawks. Uh, John, the golf pro from Kingston, what we learned, Jonathan Huberto has now gone nine games without a point. Is there a worse contract in the NHL? The answer is no, there is not a worse contract. The Flames actually won. They've won two in a row. Yeah. Markey was great last night. Yeah. 34 saves in his first game back from a fractured finger. But the but the debate is still Huberto in Calgary. Well, I, don't I, don't think think I don't think it's a debate anymore. The talk. It's not a debate. There I, are some people that are like, they've, they've reached the point now where like uh, the bar is so low. If he makes like any good plays, it's like, oh, maybe he's breaking out. It was, it's like the Ole Levy breakout pass. We're like, or look at that, look at that, he's a player. Louis Erickson's penalty killing. I remember that. It's like, yeah, that's great that he kills penalties, but you're paying him thirty six million dollars. <laughs> so you're gonna need a little more than that. I feel, but yeah, it, it's it's gotten bad, really, really bad. This was a weird one. Um, Trey, the Gulf Island ferry worker. Mm-hmm. I learned that Sheldon Keith may now be on the hottest seat of all the Canadian clubs. And the next may be Rick Bonus, and I guess that's because they're like, maybe this was tongue in cheek because they're really doing well. But there's so many Canadian teams that are doing well, including, by the way, the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I don't know if everyone's paid attention to this, but they've kind of somehow squeaked their way to within two points of the playoffs. Yeah, if Sheldon Keefe is on the hottest seat, it might be like technically the hottest seat, but right, it's still quite a cold well, cause, seat. Well, because think about it. I mean, I think it would be Huska to be honest. Just no, because, no, no, they're not going to fire him, but. But um, we're like, not going to fire another coach in Edmonton. Talk, it's been amazing. Knobloch just started. Huska just started. Yeah. Uh, bonus has the the Jets have been great this year. Uh, St. Louis doing a good job in Montreal. And as I said, do you think Talk might get fired? <laughs> yeah, he's on. Yeah, he's on the hotline. Wait till the next the Bet AG or whatever it is sends out there. Coaches to be uh, fired. Kirk, the unemployed Cracker Factory worker. What we learned after yesterday's thrilling game, the NFL will flex more Monday night. Football game. Hey, yeah, they, they were the right probably call. pretty happy with. Uh, they made the right call. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a masterpiece game overall, but it was close. And a lot of the primetime games, I don't know. You know, I know Thursday night football. There have been some dreadful games, but what they want is for people to keep watching. And I'm sure the people in Philly and all the teams cheering against the Eagles, the ones in the NFC. So, you know, Niners fans, I know, were cheering for the Seahawks, which is a little bit weird. Um, And Seahawks fans obviously kept watching the whole game because it was close. It doesn't have to be a shootout, but it does have to be... Um, it has to, you know, you you have to know what, you you know, the ending can't be known right away. Yeah. Uh, This one is from Gunner in Kelowna. Hashtag WWL, what we learned. I learned that a New Jersey pizzeria canceled an appearance by Giants QB Tommy DeVito after DeVito decided to double his appearance fee because he had led the team to a comeback win. Good thing they didn't win another one on the weekend in New Orleans. Yeah, I saw this story. Darren Ravel was tweeting it out. So I guess the original ask for a Tommy... No kidding. It was Darren Ravel. Yeah, yeah. Shocking. Uh, A Tommy DeVito autograph appearance fee apparently went from 10 grand to 20 grand. And that was because the agent, Sean Stellano, who... Was dressed up like an Italian yeah, leprechaun. Have you, have you seen what this guy looks like? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> it is. I didn't. I, Did I didn't believe him? it at first. I, I was like, "This is a bit, right?" Like, there's no way this guy. I saw. Is. I thought he looked like the younger version of the guy that went to kill Hyman Roth in Cuba. Oh wow, that's a pull. 
I'm trying to remember exactly. Yeah, well, he had the same hat. That's from Caddyshack, right? <laughs> That's from Caddyshack. Yeah. yeah. Caddyshack Ma- 2, actually. It's oh, from noted mafia yeah, yeah. movie uh, Cool Runnings. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, the Okay, so the one, to your point, you're like, is this real? Um, there's obviously some, I called it an Italian-American cosplay going on. <laughs> like, they're obviously leaning in. I don't mind. Imagine that, Tommy DeVito's like, I want you to dress like this. I, they're, they're leaning. Really? Okay. This is, he really sh- shouldn't be, he shouldn't have accomplished what he accomplished in the NFL. Like, I I was reading stuff from scouts in college, like, he was not even a very good college quarterback. The fact that he was able to win NFC Offensive Player of the Week is nothing short of amazing. So he, I think he even knows he's got a limited shelf life to try and squeeze as much money as he can out of this. So I have no problem with that part of it. And, you know, if they want to play up the... the, the hand gestures and the Paisan thing, fine. But, um... Did you see the Saints players every time they dropped him and knocked him down? Mm-hmm. Is they were doing the hand gesture oh, nice. in response? Like they were like, "We're this kid's not going to show us up. We are going to hurt him badly." And they did. I think they sacked him seven times or something. Uh, Mike, the urologist from Brockville, I've got one here that I wanted to read. Uh, you I got one because I already. Yep. Okay, you go. This oh, is from. No, no, no. I got it. Okay. Uh, back, what we learned. Back. Shayna Goldman, with a new drop on The Athletic, shows the Canucks lead the league in time spent leading games 47% of the time. I saw this. Okay, good. Yep. That combined with their ability to hold leads in third period, clearly a big reason for their early season success. I would have never envisioned the Canucks being at the top of this graph before the season started or any time in the past decade. You know what? I'll, well, just I'll jump in. I mean, in. good teams have, number one, the ability to get leads. That's quite important in any sport. Uh, but the best teams have that ability to protect leads. And I remember those here. We'll get our 2011 uh, mention in. That team, if they went into the third period with a lead, they were locking it down. And it was easier, granted to lock down a lead back then than it is now. Like, we're seeing, you know, the Leafs came back from a 5 nothing deficit the other day. They lost. Um, but they still lost, but, you know, just, just to mention that. But it is easier to come back from multi-goal deficits now, but that is what, like, that game against Florida, I know JT Miller afterwards was saying that his line got caved in, and I know that Rick Tockett said that we can be better, and I know what the analytics say. At no time in that third period was I worried that the Panthers were going to get some momentum going by scoring and then it was going to fall apart. Like Because yeah, Demko was like, on too. Yeah, but they just protect the front of the net so much better. There's not, there's, let I shouldn't say none because it still happens from time to time, but there aren't those cross seam passes and like you wonder what they're doing and like, well, how did that guy let, get left wide yeah, open? They, like that doesn't happen as much. They're willing to concede certain shots with the belief that Demko is going to stop 93% of them or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The interesting thing about that number when I first saw it, I was shocked. Shocked that they had the lead for that much because we've talked about how many bad starts they've got off to this season. I mean, talk it's spoken about it. The players have spoken about it. If you had told me that the Vancouver Canucks were leading more in hockey games than any team in the NHL, I'd be like, that's impossible because they had so many poor starts. Yeah. But they we we also mentioned the slow starts haven't correlated with falling behind on the scoreboard. Well, oftentimes the goaltending. Go- yeah. But so it's really interesting, actually. I mean, I think it underscores just how good the goaltending's been this year. They've also been really good in the second period. That's true. 
And then, um, so they've been able to take a lot of leads into the third period. The fact that how many regulation wins do they have? Twenty. Yeah. No, they 20. don't. They don't they, like overtime. So they've played thirty-two games. They've won twenty of them in regulation. And while we were talking about Sheldon Keith, I'm going to scroll down the old standings here. The Toronto Maple Leafs have nine regulation wins. So they've won 16 of their 28 games, which is fine. But only nine of those have been in regulation. Columbus has eight regulation wins. Yeah, Toronto goes to overtime or shootout every second game, basically. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you read into that, though? Like is that like an actual red flag for you? For sure, um, absolutely. I don't. I don't. Not, think, I don't think the Leafs. Yeah, it is. I. I don't. Not think to the, make the playoffs. I don't think like the, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. But, but, in the, but, in the, but the Leafs are not in, a great team this year. They're not. Are you suggesting that the Leafs might not have what it takes to win in the playoffs? <laughs> you don't say. Now, just watch this be the year, though, that they put it together. Good. Hey, do you remember when I always go back to the Washington Capitals? They had that. Two-year window where they they had to win, and their GM said, "We're in a two-year window. The two-year window expires, and then the next year they win the Stanley Cup." Um, I do remember that. Um, yeah. I also want your analysis of it's important to get the lead, but even more important to hold it. That was pretty high-end analysis. We got more here. That's pretty good, wasn't it? Todd has bad takes. Hashtag WWO. What we learned. Whenever you say Pew Suter's name, I can't help but immediately think of the '80s video game Asteroid yeah. and the sound the spaceship makes when shooting. Pew pew. That's the first thing pew, I did. Pew, Pews, 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 pews. See, that's the kind of high-end analysis you can expect from the Halford and Brough yeah, show, right? Should... What was the best arcade game that you played growing up? Ar- so the well, my answer, answer, we didn't have those. Yeah, you, my answer would be this. different than your answer. My sure. answer is pole position on the ferry. Wow, it's a very specific I finished Pole position once. was super fun. I, I thought you were going to say, once. like, Miss I got, Pac-Man I, or something. There, when you finish pole position, uh, this little character comes out and waves the... Uh, the checkered flag. Yeah, mine. Mine is very on some brand kid, for me. Some kid watched me do that, and he was like, "You are my hero." <laughs> do you remember? Did you ever play? Can Here I live with you? Goes now? my <laughs> hero. Yeah. To you, the. I was. Like, I was. I was like, honestly, here's another reference. I was like Daryl, playing That's a that good one. pole position. Do you know Daryl? Daryl's the robot kid. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. Um, did you ever play Dragon's Lair in the arcade? I did. My favorite, my favorite arcade game, very on brand for me, is actually the Simpsons arcade game. That is a good one. It is so damn good. Yeah. What was the one where uh, you were like King Kong and you just destroyed? It was a Rampage. Yes. Yeah, Rampage was a good one. Yeah. You guys sound so cool right now. We just broke stuff. It there was, was also Donkey Kong. Don't forget that. Yeah. Data analyzing robot youth life form. That was Daryl. That was me uh, on the ferry. Yeah. That right. was me on the Queen and Nanaimo yeah. finishing pole position. <laughs> that robot was a good athlete, too. He had like 10 home runs one game. Okay, we got to go. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, good. Very he was a good, good athlete. Uh, okay, we got to go. Probably a good thing. Uh, signing off for now. I have been Mike Alfred. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A Dog. He's been Basketball Ben. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.